This is the Revival Leadership Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Revival Leadership Podcast. We are here on location at the Abbey of the Way in Worcester, Massachusetts, for the second part of our conversation with Father Len. Um, and we today are talking, we're continuing the conversation about uh, consecration, and today we're really going to focus in on the importance of community. Um, so the importance of allowing God to cleanse us and purify us, we talked about in the last episode uh, setting ourselves aside, uh, preparing ourselves in a way that when revival comes, we will be the type of people that God is able to use. Uh, we talked about needing to present a distinction to the world, not just kind of going with the flow, uh, salt needing to be salty. We talked about operating at a higher spiritual level than we actually need to in the moment. So when it's actually demanded of us, we're kind of ready to do that. So we talked about how to how to actually move towards consecration, and uh, Len, you talked about this idea of a rule or a way of life yep. um, as something that uh, is actually pushing us and helping us to take steps towards looking like Jesus, um, and you're going to share a little bit more about that. Uh, and then today we're going to focus uh, mostly on the idea of community. So we have this way of life or this rule of life, and it actually has to be lived out with a goal in a community of like-minded people who are pursuing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, so this particular way of life that we operate with here at the Abbey um, developed over about four or five years in the church that I used to serve where we engaged in an experiment which was, would it be possible for an ordinary local church that was kind of like a community church, the Episcopal Church, has sort of functioned that way as kind of being a church for everybody to come to. There's not a lot of high bars uh, for membership, and that's both good and also perhaps his biggest problem. But in any event, uh, we, we wondered, would it be possible for the church to operate that way? The answer was no, that there was not enough, <laughs> not enough spiritual vitality as part of the congregation as a whole. There were those crazy nuts who adopted this, but it, it wasn't really adoptable. Uh, it, it, it really does, uh, that kind of, Consecration really does require some motivation. A separate uh, level of buy-in. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Either circumstantial or uh, an infusion of power in the Holy Spirit. So we brought that here um, with us uh, as a way to help shape and form leaders who subsequently we realized, in addition to forming leaders for the church as it is uh, and ministry as it is, we're forming leaders for ministry and life as it will be when revival comes. And the unique thing about what we've developed here really parallels the concept of a way of life, at least at its best, is that we wish to become more like Jesus. So our way of life uh, is focused on Christian virtues, which is a term that um, we sort of think of when we think of Elizabethan yeah. Yeah. England yeah. or something. The virtues of temperance and and chivalry. We have a lot of islands in yes. Narragansett Bay named after virtues like Prudence, prudence. Island. There you go. Providence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, um, this is a term that uh, has been maintained in the West by the, by the Roman Catholic Church, uh, which really is, as, as I understand it, and as we practice here, it's attributes of God yeah, right. that we wish to see replicated in us. 
And so uh, in our case, uh, we have a series of 12 of them, and I won't go through them all, but there are things like the attribute of, of forgiveness, uh, of being able to forgive and be forgiven. And wow. we worship a God who is a forgiving God. Uh, attributes of confidence, being able to be confident in God and confident in oneself in mm -hmm. God, uh, not having confidence in ancillary kinds of things. For example, relationship, uh, the, that we worship a God who is a holy trinity. So what does it mean to be in relationship with others, to be a relational human being? Uh, compassion, we worship a God of justice who says, I am compassionate. What does it mean to have the compassion of God inside of oneself? So these are the targets that we're sort of looking at. And when we looked at these 12 virtues of life that were developed again in this context of this Episcopal church over the course of these uh, you know, number of years, we looked at this list of 12 and we said, that looks like Jesus. Mm. Those are attributes of Jesus. And frankly, we thought to ourselves, if we really were to become like that, who wouldn't want to hang out with us? Right. Who wouldn't want to, to say, tell me more about how you live? Pharisees. Um, yeah, right, Pharisees. <laughs> Pharisees. Or perhaps a culture that is beginning to feel that even the compassion of Jesus or the forgiveness of Jesus or or the uh, the the restfulness of Jesus is anathema. You yeah. know, they, they might not want to follow, follow that. And, but. and I would say that actually we're coming to places where the rest of Jesus or the, the willingness to forgive. Yeah. You know, I think of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Like yeah. if, even in Jesus' day, people were surprised that he would forgive. And um, these these things are beginning to look very strange yeah. to the culture. Cancelled culture. There yeah. there's no forget like Right. You know, you right. if you I don't forgive, I get even. Yeah. I mean even the contentment of Jesus, that's one of our virtues, is that mm -hmm. we're content. We've learned the secret of how to be content as Paul speaks about and we live in an extremely discontented culture. And basically we live in an extremely discontented church. Mm. That we're just we're just not happy. So, uh, so how do you, God. how do you, uh, I'm curious, develop, if your, your goal is contentment, right? Like you can say, God help me be content, but what do you, what are some practices that well, you guys actually do? in that particular do? case, so yes, just, just that here are these virtues that we're seeking to ask God to develop in us. And it's his work. I mean, he's sure. the one that makes this happen. I can't make myself content, but there are certain disciplines, spiritual disciplines uh, that are described in scripture and that are also part of the the history of the people of God that can can help us uh, with that. And in the case of contentment, one of the disciplines, the discipline of celebration, mm. discipline of celebration, whether it be the keeping of a, of a Sabbath that is not just a restful Sabbath, but a celebratory Sabbath, that when we come together to worship, we're celebrating the life of God together and that our worship life, by and large, with exceptions for either seasonal times of repentance yeah. or times when God just calls us to our knees in acknowledgement of our brokenness, but that our gatherings are, yeah. are celebrations. These are ways in which, in the midst of a disappointing culture mm -hmm. and a disappointing life uh, and, and a life that isn't as it should be because of the fall, that we nonetheless can celebrate with God. I mean, you look yeah. at the life of Jesus. I mean, you can imagine what it was like to be the son of God and to look around and go, oh my gosh, you know. Oh my God, he would have said to right. himself, you know, what, mm -hmm. what has happened mm -hmm. here? And yet, you got the sense that Jesus was was a, was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief, but there was celebration. Yeah. He's at a wedding in Canaan, mm -hmm. and he contributes to the celebration with mm -hmm. this first miracle. 
This so is on. that's interesting because when I would think if I were to think about consecration for a revival leader, uh, I, I would I would imagine like it's almost like wizard like you kind of become like you, you know you go around you're healing people there's words of knowledge like all this stuff is following everybody and you're the revival leader or like someone who's leading in times of revival you know uh, and not to say that that can't or shouldn't or won't happen but you're also saying like keeping the sabbath uh, <laughs> learning to forgive you know? right some of, some of these this kind of seems basic kind of seems yeah, kind of seems like basic christianity well, yeah, at some right. level which on one sense would say, well, then what's the special thing about it? But what's what, what it is, is that actually basic, normal Christianity what, it is kind it's of been a, lost. It has been, been lost. lost. The, yeah. the knowledge of God, the character of Christ likeness in the people of God yeah. is actually diminishing. Yeah. So that yeah. people aren't actually looking like God and normal what what C.S. Lewis would call mere Christianity, basic yeah normative christianity is not happening right now so yeah. what you experienced in the 70s was not a weird blip that was actually what christianity what following jesus is supposed to everything else has been an aberration so in some sense you're talking about um this needs to be recovered yeah yeah and i was i was uh, by the grace of god exposed to the concept of a way of life fairly early on in my life with Jesus and it was a, it was literally a godsend that I that I had this kind of tool for keeping myself uh, sharp and alive in Jesus and seeking to become more like him in the midst of a culture and in that my particular case in the midst of a church culture uh, that was uh, uh, unfortunately a kind of a degrading environment and one in which uh, the temptation was just to kind of become just sort of a slacker mm -hmm. uh, in, in the Lord. And, and so this has been incredibly helpful to me in all of my Christian life. Right. Uh, and, and so part of the deal is to give people some tools that becoming mm -hmm. like Christ isn't simply just a matter of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, hit me. It's a matter <laughs> of, Holy Spirit, I am going to practice the Sabbath, mm -hmm. and I trust that you will put in me in this 24-hour period the restfulness of Jesus as I resolutely yeah. practice this discipline of ceasing and stopping labor, both physical and more importantly, mental labor of just always thinking about getting ahead, which is our culture. And, and on another level, a rule of life, as you were saying before we started recording, is done in community. Yes. So it's one thing to have an individual who has practiced Sabbath and is a non-anxious presence because of that, because he has the rest and peace of Jesus. It's also another thing to have a community that practices Sabbath together. Uh, that is a non-anxious presence community, right? Like, so exactly. I, that's where, share a little bit about this yeah. idea that it's not just you, your personal virtue increasing, right. but it's this communal. I, I really don't believe there is a personal rule of life or a personal way of life for a follower of Jesus. I mean, at, at the very least, we're part of a great cloud of witnesses that mm -hmm. run throughout history who have lived by a way of life that we can say, yeah, that actually, that actually is something that I ought to be doing today. I shouldn't reinvent the wheel. But also to have a cadre of people in a local area um, that have a particular kind of awareness of the culture in which they live and the way in which they need to be distinct from that culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's this sense in which a way of life as far as the particular disciplines that are used and the way in which they're used to develop this 
fairly universal sense of Christ-likeness, which we have defined for us in the Word of God, um, is essential. Uh, so in our case, we've developed this in a communal sense in the church we were in, and now we have a community of people who are seeking to live by this way of life for this particular purpose. Initially, to develop leaders who will be able to lead deep and long in the context in which they're in. But now this additional purpose in which this particular way of life can be adapted to people who are preparing to lead, whether or not they're leading currently, preparing to be leaders in the coming revival cataclysm. And uh, so that sense in which they begin to collaborate together on what are the, what are the applications of these virtues and the tools that God has given us, whereby we can place ourselves in a setting uh, by our, our participation in this uh, part of our way of life to where the Holy Spirit can create in us such as in one of our virtues, which is a sense of, of um, both curiosity about the truth of God and also deep and, and uh, abiding conviction about the truth of God and what that means in our context to be able to continue to be open to learning things from other people, including those who are not followers of Jesus, but to do so with a sense of clear conviction mm -hmm. that this is what we know and this is what we believe and nothing is going to change that. Because right now it is, it seems like a lot of the narrative is not being able to stand when others' ideas come in contrast with right. The way of Jesus, right? And you're talking about a way of life in community helps us to actually have our own convictions in a stronger way. Yes, uh, that we can actually engage with those ideas, right? And say that's and be, great, and that's not, and we're going right. to take this and not that. And to hold our convictions, but without anxiety or yeah. without defensiveness, such that we actually can even do what Jesus did with the woman at the well, where he asks her questions yeah. mm -hmm. uh, about her life. He doesn't, you know, find her as as the disciples would have, as a threat. This woman in the middle of the day, who's a Samaritan, uh, double, triple threat, mm -hmm. uh, he's able to engage her and, and to encounter her and, and, and to lead her into uh, a life with him. And uh, so, yeah, that's part of what we work out together. Mm -hmm. So the idea of, of having, having this, this sense of a, cadre of people. Uh, an illustration that I came up with fairly recently is the story of Elijah in the cave after the great showdown at Mount Carmel, and he's saying to himself and to God, you know, I'm the only one left, etc., etc. And he's forgotten that in the days of Ahab and Elijah, when things were really bad, uh, we think it's bad today. I mean, that was like, oh my gosh. Um, even worse. Even worse. Even worse. <laughs> that uh, Obadiah had been led by God to squirrel away a hundred prophets, two in ca caves of fifty. It's kind of an interesting sort of cadre look of fifty people. It kind of makes you think of the seventy that Jesus had. But anyway, those numbers are kind of interesting. But these were prophets who were uh, being kind of squirreled away for a time when they would be needed, and that that's perhaps what we're doing here is bringing a group of people. Um, who are interested in fostering and in preparing for revival into a cadre uh, of, of folks who agree to live by a particular way of life, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, even as they go about the life that they're living as sure. whatever it is they are and do uh, in this world. And, and this is huge. I think the idea of, of community 
So both the idea of, of consecration and li living at a higher level than we have to, but then combined with community is so important because um, this is not, we're not entering, revival leadership is not a vacuum. The, the, it is a battlefield. The, mm -hmm. and first of all, there's a, there, we believe there's an enemy. Mm -hmm. And if you, uh, any of us, commit ourselves, surrender ourselves to be part of a breakthrough of the status quo of God's kingdom, then we know there's a target on our yeah. back. And so for that reason alone, it's just back to the basic wisdom of Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one. Because right. if one falls down, the other person can pick them up. And the cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so there is something really powerful that happens um, when we get together with other people and we look them in the eye and we say, hey, we're going to commit together to a common way of life. We're going to commit together to live at a higher level and we'll hold each other to it. And, you know, we'll all stumble and fall along the way, but we'll keep going. And I think um, that is incredibly important. Uh, it makes me remember our, our own experience with prayer like we there's a group of people in providence that really wanted to get together and seek god for revival and so one of the things we committed to was we're gonna have a prayer gathering every tuesday an altar and an altar yeah we which we called an altar prayer and i'll tell you there were a lot of tuesdays i i wasn't didn't want to go but i knew people were coming over <laughs> it was at your house <laughs> it was at my house and so there was a built-in yeah accountability that comes from that community and then once we were an hour into the prayer meeting i was like was this awesome. is the best yeah. thing i've ever done yeah. i'm so glad we didn't quit on this but it's much harder to maintain that flame mm -hmm. unless you are next to other coals that are burning like totally. even if you think about like barbecuing analogy you know if you spread the the hot coals out far enough they will eventually go out yeah. they they actually need to be touching one or two or maybe three other coals. And then if you can get them all together, of course, the fire burns between them. Right. And so that really has always been the, the way it's been in past seasons of revival. Sometimes it starts with one person. But usually those movements that maintain themselves are those where there's a small group of people that get together. It reminds me of, we're talking about consecration, but... Makes me think of John Wesley and Charles at our noontime prayer. We sang a hymn by Charles Wesley, but all those guys when they were at Oxford had they gathered together something they called the Holy, holy Club. Club, yeah, which was a holy club. It was a club that was holy, and that's kind of what we're talking yeah. about: communities <laughs> of consecration. And again, everything new. Nothing's is, really nothing's new really under new. the sun. The, the key thing, however, in terms of the community dimension and the consecration dimension is there's a missional dimension as mm -hmm. well. That's good. Uh, it's really, really important. And that feels so, the difference between the Essenes from the last exactly, and John the Baptist. Exactly. That, that we gather together, not just to have a holy club unto ourselves and, you know, we're just happy in Jesus and yeah. isn't it great? And we're waiting for the rapture and get us out of here, please. It's getting bad here. We're getting hot, you know. Stor Hurry up. Storing up sardine cans in our <laughs> That's it. cupboard. Right. Got our little bomb shelter in the basement. Yeah, you know, or our spiritual bomb shelter, you know, uh, that, that we actually are consecrated in community in order to engage uh, and, and, to, and to be involved in God's great plan. Of restoration and rescue, yeah. that there are, there are folks, uh, you know, who who are who are going to die, and and uh, and not just for this life, and and that our desire is to see 
this whole world come under the thrall of Jesus because right. there's no better place to be and no better world uh, that is going to be ever than yeah. when this thing is is restored uh, in the twinkling of an eye by this amazing God. And we want folks to be ready for that. That keeps us from being weird and, and kind of toxic because yeah. there have been these holy clubs that have burned each other up and engaged in kind of, you know, unholy practices because they haven't had the outlet. Yeah. So our way of life uh, that, that we are recommending has about it worship and discipleship as well as mission. And the mission is, is what keeps it going. But without the, the consecration in the community, uh, yeah. ostensibly the mission is powerless and, and, and will, will just peter away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Len, that's, that's great. And as we, uh, as we close, why don't you give us a little commercial? Yeah, a little commercial here, what just you're to doing. say we are we here at the Abbey uh, are, are interested in forming such a community of people who have had that little visit that we spoke about in the last episode, a little visit from God that that says, uh, you know, I'm coming or it, it it's going to happen, and you've been visited by God, or you're already currently involved in in kind of seeking to foster revival and not just for your own church or your own life, but you have a sense of this kind of um, uh, kind of holy authority that you want to see your neighborhood or your, your community or, or your state or nation or this world. You, you want to see it uh, ready for the, this coming of the Lord and you're aware that it's not going to be a, a, a church picnic. <laughs> you need to be consecrated to the Lord and prepared. Uh, if you would like to be part of a community that operates in this way for the purposes of God, uh, for the, the blessing uh, of this world that he's created and wants to save, um, you can visit uh, the you know address. Tell them how they can sure, connect. Yeah. So, so just to sum up, you're, you're listening to the Revival Leadership Podcast, and our guest, Father Len, is creating a community for revival leaders to spur each other on. Uh, so I imagine there might be a lot of us listening that are actually pretty interested in hearing more. Uh, so you can email us at revivalleadershippodcast at gmail.com, uh, and we can, we'll send you info, get you connected to the Abbey of the Way and all the links you need there. Um, but just, can you give us a, little, a couple practical things? It's going to, this is going to be some meetings yeah, basi- in person. Basically, the thought away? is that this would be a monthly gathering, uh, either online through a particular platform or actually here uh, at the Abbey, uh, in which we engage in three things. One is we study revival. Uh, we study revivals in scripture and revivals in history. And, and we would have an assignment each month to read a, something or find out about a something. And we mm-hmm. basically come together for... Uh, a report on that, uh, or perhaps uh, one of these interviews that that you guys do with somebody uh, mm-hmm. who will come in either personally or virtually, and there'll be conversation with that person around the particular topic we've been looking at. Then we'll have an opportunity to kind of uh, discuss with each other, probably in smaller groups, uh, how we're doing with our way of life, how we're doing with our consecration, uh, how we're finding community of like-minded people wherever it is that we live. Uh, this could be, you know, you could be miles distant from Worcester, Massachusetts. It doesn't make any difference. And then ways in which we pray for each other and worship the Lord. So the kind of those three things. And I think it's cool to kind of even created a little document too uh, about it. This, um, this this community that you're gathering and and even if folks aren't aren't able to come to this particular one, it could be that you're interested in 
creating a community like this. Yeah. You're interested in having a version of this for yourself. You mm-hmm. said to yourself, yeah, I, I, I see this concept of consecration in community for the fostering of and preparation for revival. You're in. Uh, we'd be glad to share with you whatever it is that we've learned yeah. uh, about how best to go about doing that. So, Len, thanks so much. And I, I just... Uh, I think out of this, I'm just struck again by the need um, uh, for us that feel like we've been touched with a vision or feel like we've felt a spark of uh, this calling around revival leadership, that it is uh, a critical next step for us to um, to name that, but also to, to reach out and, and look for other folks that are around us that are maybe those other we might call hot coals that we can pile ourselves up against and um, to make space in our calendars and our time for those people. And then I think to really consider what kind of community can we be part of that would support us as we all prepare for uh, what we have a a conviction that God is going to send. So all you guys out there, we just want to encourage you uh, to take a next step in this. And yeah, why don't you read that prayer? I'm going to just close with a little prayer that comes out of, the, out of the prayer book that I think is pretty appropriate for this subject. So let's pray. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills, that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you, And then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare of your people through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, well, thank you, Father Lynn, for being with us. This was like a great conversation. And yeah, we look forward to hearing from all you guys. If you're interested, email us at revivalleadershippodcast at gmail.com. All right, see you next time.